Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. Aren't you glad for his amazing grace? Aren't you glad that he's a worthy king of all kings? That we can stand before God and not worry about condemnation, not worry about the weight of our sin because Jesus took it all. Man, what amazing grace that he looks at us through a lens of love and grace and he gives us peace, he gives us He gives us love, he gives us mercy. Wow. Father, I just thank you. I thank you for your amazing grace that you would pour out your love in the form of your son by sending your son to die for us. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for everything that you've done. We thank you for your presence. Father, I thank you for your anointing. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here to meet with us. I thank you, Father, that you that you are even now working in hearts. I pray right now that you will have your way today. Have your way today. Glorify your name in us. Father, I pray against any and all things that would come against you in this house today. And Lord, those who are going to watch online one day day in the future, I pray against any and all distractions in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, if there is things in our hearts that, that would keep us from understanding, if there are things in our heart that would keep us from receiving, I just come against those things. And Lord, I pray that your presence will tear down those walls. I pray that your presence will set us free. Lord, your word says, in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. Lord, let your joy be complete in us today. As we move from a time of worship and song to a time of worship in your word, that you will just penetrate our hearts. Lord, that you will open up our ears and our minds that we will receive this word from you and walk out of here transformed by you. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Man, God is good. He is so, so good. And I don't just say that lightly. Like, it's that, it's, isn't that the typical thing we say in church? Man, God is good. All the time, all the time, God is good, right? But no, God is good. Every good and perfect gift comes down from heaven. The fact that you're here today, that you're, in the words of Pastor Brent, sucking in air, it is a gift. It is a is proof that he's good. It's proof that he loves you. And today is no exception to that. I am excited. I'm excited because we are wrapping up a series called... Um, I just went, it's begun. I literally went blank on a series that I named. Give me grace. I drank a lot of coffee last night, so uh, my mind is going haywire. So it's going to be a good day. We're wrapping up a series called It's Begun, and the idea of this series was to establish what Christ started. He started this thing called the church, and he gave us a mission. And last week, We just went straight forward. He said, go and preach the gospel, and that's what I tried to do, is preach the gospel and and explain the why we need Christ. It's not just for this world. We get so caught up on this world, but we forget that it's for eternity. God loves us for eternity. We are eternal, And, and this week... In order for us to walk out this mission, in order for us to walk out being the church, and to walk out this calling to preach and to make disciples, to preach the gospel and make disciples, I want to talk to you today about patterns. Because the patterns of our life can actually keep keep us from letting God start something in us. Or the patterns in our life will actually allow us to walk fully into what God has for us. But it depends on the patterns we allow 
to establish in our life. And I truly believe that God is doing something globally in his church. And it's not just, I believe this, it's prophesied. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit. And we've been in the last days for a long time. Ever since Christ went back to heaven and established his church, the last day started. But we're, God is still pouring out his spirit. God is still harvesting. And I want C1 Church, I want you and me to be a part of it. And we've got to look at patterns that might keep us from being a part of what God is doing globally, through missions, and through his church, and through what God wants to do here and now in this town. We've got to look at our patterns, though. And so we're going to look at the last chapter of John, John chapter, I believe it's 21, 1, we're going to look at 1 through 22, and we're actually also, if you brought your Bibles, it's going to be on the screen, we're also going to be looking at Luke 5, 1 through 11, but let's read this together. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee, this is how it happened. So this is the third time he appeared to them. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Canaan and Galilee, sons, the sons of Zebedee, which is James and John, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. How many of you fishermen can relate to that? You don't have to admit it. Hey, if you can't catch anything all night, you're in good company. The original apostles couldn't either. Um, at dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, Fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, Throw your net on the right, si right hand side of the boat and you'll get some. They've been literally fishing out the wrong side of their little boat all night. I, I, I love the Gospels because like you look at that and like you can only imagine what these men just three and a half years prior to this were professional fishermen and that's how they made a living. And then this guy, a hundred yards away, is just going, just throw your nets on the other side of the boat. I mean, if I were Peter, I don't know if I would have done it. But I think I would have, you know, said whatever. You don't know what you're talking about. But it says... So they did. They're like, we have nothing to lose here. So they did. It's almost like we did a series called What He Had to Lose. And that's what faith looks like. They had nothing to lose, so they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. That's, that's faith. Well, nothing might happen. They probably fished out of that side of the boat, too, that night. But that time... God told them to do it, and they did it, and gosh, a catch so big that they, that they couldn't haul it in. Then the disciple Jesus loved said, this is John. John said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped it off for work, jumped into the water, and headed to shore. This is what Peter does, man. Peter is that guy. He says stuff that no one else will do. He has a habit of getting out of the boat when Jesus is near. The first time he did it, he walked on water. So, like, he heard, it's Jesus. And he's like, man, I want to be where Jesus is. He jumps out of the boat. And this is, this is the third time he saw him. He jumped out of the, into the water and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore. For they were, for they were only about 100 yards from the shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring me some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. 
So Simon went aboard and dragged the net to shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. And I want to take a moment, and I wrestled with this verse all week. And we're going to dive into it. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. This is one of those verses I've read my whole life. And I always like, I wonder why they asked that. And this week, I couldn't get away from it. And I want you guys to grab a hold of this. Can you go back just a slide real quick? None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. I need us to hold on to this in our memory because we're going to address it in a, in a bit. Then Jesus served them bread and fish. This was the third time Jesus appeared, appeared to his disciples since, they had been, since he had been raised from the dead. And after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told them. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, Son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked him the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will... Stretch out your hands, and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to him to let him know what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. Peter turned around and saw behind him John, the disciple Jesus loved, the one who had leaned over to Jesus during the supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? Peter asked, what about him? So Jesus is telling Peter, I want you to understand this. You're going to die. You're going to be put in prison. You're going to be, you're gonna be um, forced to do things you don't want to do. That's essentially what he's saying. You're going to be led around. You're going to be a prisoner. And you will die. And Peter is hearing all this after he hear, you know, He says, yeah, of course I love you. And he turns around and looks at John. Because you've got to understand, there's three, there there was 12 disciples, but three in the inner circle, Peter, James, and John. James and John were brothers. Peter was um, kind of the other person. But John was like, I guess, Jesus' closest best friend, and the other two were like just best friends. (laughs) But I just sounded like a teenager girl describing something. I'm sorry. Um, but Peter turns and looks at John and says, what about him, Lord? And I, I want us to grab a hold of this because I think that a lot of us do this in our life, in our walk. What about him, God? What about them, God? What about them? What about that church? Look what they're doing. This is how they do stuff. It's awesome. It's pretty cool. But we so often get in this thing called comparison. We'll look at someone else's walk with God and think, man, I, I, should, I wish I was right there where they were. They seem so mature. Or we'll look at someone else's walk with God and say, well, I'm so much better than them. I'm so glad I'm not dealing with that. There's nothing wrong with thinking that. Like, I'm glad I'm not dealing with like coming out of drug addiction or anything like that I'm or stuff like there's nothing wrong with that but 
thinking that you're better than someone because you're not is completely wrong. And when you get into a comparison game, it's real easy for me, like, on, on, on social media, you look at everything going on around people, and when people post something on social media, they're putting the highlight reel of their life on. You know, like, I don't, like, whenever you see pictures of my family and we're all smiling, like our Easter picture last, last week, it took, like, five minutes to get Peyton to even come close to take a picture, and at that, he wouldn't even smile. And Sky's like, I don't want to take a picture. We're like, shut up and smile. This is going on Facebook. We want people to think that we have a happy family, kids. But we can so often kind of get in this mindset, what about them? And Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. God's doing something, and he wants to do something in Destiny. He wants to do something in the Church of Christ downtown. He wants to do something in, you know, like he wants to do something in each and every church. And I pray that he does. But what is that to you and to me? As for us, we're going to follow him. I want to do what he tells us to do here. And it's liberating when you quit comparing yourself to other people because you're not them. You don't have the baggage they have, and you don't have the victories they have. And guess what? They don't have the baggage you have, and they don't have the victories you have. But God wants to be faithful to you in all of it. So as for you, you follow me. And we need to grab a hold of this, because this, this goes into patterns. This is the base root of how we walk out the patterns. And so there's... Two, two thoughts. I, w- I, w- I want to look at godly patterns in our life. So the patterns of God in our life, and I want to look at the patterns of Satan in our life. And because get, get this, God wants to establish patterns in your life. But this is where I want us to grab a hold of. Because God's patterns... They have a familiarity about them, and yet they will look different depending on the season you're in. So, remember that verse I told you to grab a hold of. It says that Jesus prepared breakfast for them. It's interesting that he said, it says that he had fish cooking on a fire, charcoal fire, and he had bread already. And then he said, bring me some of your fish. And he never even used them. He doesn't need anything from us. He just, he wanted obedience there, but he already provided everything. And then it says that they're eating breakfast, and it says that none of them dare ask, who are you? For they knew it was the Lord. Jesus evidently looked different. And I would argue, I would, I would actually make a case for this, after his resurrection, He appears to Mary Magdalene by the tomb in the garden that he was buried. And she turns around and she sees him and she thinks that he's the gardener. She did not recognize him until he started speaking to her. So there's something familiar about the presence of God. There's a familiarity. There's a peace that his presence brings. There's a joy that his presence brings. There's provision that his presence brings, that his presence will bring, that we can recognize. Because, but he looked different. And then Pastor Ben spoke about the road to Emmaus a couple weeks ago. Powerful message. Once again, go listen to it if you haven't. And he walked for seven miles with two people. And they didn't recognize him. And yet they're like, oh, but my, but our heart burned within us. And then they recognized him. There is a familiarity to his presence. And I, I think that this is an interesting thing because there's two things that we got to understand about God to recognize this. God is unchanging. It says... 
He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yet, at the same time, God is a creator. And he's always wanting to do something new. And only God can have those two attributes that seem to be conflicting. But he says, um, I'm doing something new. Do you not perceive it? I'm making rivers in a wasteland. God is always wanting to do something new. But when God does something new, there's always going to be a familiarity about it. These disciples, they're like, I know that's the Lord, but there's something different here. And how did John recognize? How did John recognize the fact that it was the Lord? It was after the miracle. So to understand patterns here, I want us to go back and look at at Luke chapter 5 for a moment. Because you're going to see something. And it's the same lake. It's the same, probably the same area. And it says, one day Jesus was standing by the lake of Jacinarat, or the Sea of Galilee. It's the same, the same thing. The people were crowded around him and listening to the word of God. It would have been something to hear the word of God teach the word of God. That would have been amazing because Jesus is the word of God. and He was talking about the word of God. That would have been a... He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon. This is Simon Peter. And asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So he he was getting crowded and he was having a hard time teaching. So he was like, you know what, I'm going to get out on the water away from them to where they can't get to me and I'm going to be able to teach them better. So that's what Jesus is doing. He hops in a random person's boat, his livelihood. If you don't think this is weird, after church, go into the parking lot and get in someone else's car. It's weird. But God did it. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. So Peter, um, let's go to the next slide. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you said so, I will let down the nets. I think that, <coughs> I think Peter was kind of throwing Jesus a bone here because <laughs> he knew that, Jesus wasn't a, uh, excuse me. <coughs> he knew that Jesus wasn't a fisherman, but he's like, all right, we, we fished hard all night. He's probably tired. I don't know if you've ever stayed up all night. I have, because I was a youth pastor, and all-nighters are <clears throat> a youth pastor's bane, and they're awful. And staying up all night is awful anyways. It throws off all sorts of rhythm. But Peter is like, I'm tired. We've done this all night. But because you asked, I'm going to do it. And so it says, when they had done it, he's like, what do I have to lose? That's what faith looks like. They caught such a large number of fish, their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners, which is James and John, in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full they began to sink. Now this is a catch. I don't think anyone in here has ever had a night of fishing like that. When Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go back for a second. Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had just taken. And so were, the, uh, were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. So when Jesus shows up in John chapter 21, the third appearing, it's different. The first time, he's literally on the boat with them. But it's a familiar miracle. John recognized, wait a second. This is that 
same miracle that Jesus did, there's a familiarity about it. He's like, that's the Lord. That's the Lord. He recognized it because the power of God, the familiarity of Christ, the, the miraculous nature of who God is, but it was different. And how does this apply to us today? I think sometimes we get married to a way, we get married to a method, we get married to a, 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 a place, we get married to things like that in the church and in our life, and yet God is saying, I'm doing something new. There will be a familiarity about it, but it's something new, and we, we got to be married to Jesus over how Jesus does something. We got to be married to who, because we are the bride of Christ. We got to be married to the person and the work of Christ, because guess what? He will look different in different seasons of your life. Man, a move of God 50 years ago will look different than the move of God that's happening now and, and, and is going to happen in the future for the harvest of souls in the end time. It will not look the same. Tent revivals were amazing and they had their place, but it's going to look different. But it's going to be sim- it's going to have a familiarity of, about it, and we got to be okay with different. We got to be okay with moving forward. They said they dared not ask who this is because they knew it was the Lord, even though Jesus looked different. All his attributes were the same. All his, his love was the same. He already provided everything they needed. He already did a miracle. Like, it was the same, but it was different. And as we move forward as a church and going forward, um, um, hopefully seeking God and what he wants to do through us in this community and the communities around us, don't be surprised when how God moves looks different. That's Okay. Ask yourself, are people, are people getting saved? Are people encountering the love of God? Are, are needs being met? Am I being the church? Ask yourself, what's familiar? Because God's presence brings joy, brings peace, brings... There's something familiar about it. Jesus looked different. And they were wondering... Who is this? But I'm not going to ask. You can ask. You can ask. You can ask. No. No, no. We know it's the Lord, but it looked different. And we got to be okay with different. We got to be okay with different. I, I believe that church 15 years from now is not going to look like church today. We got to be okay with different. You, I mean, you can't turn on the news for five seconds and not come to the same conclusion. Persecution is coming to the church. It is. But we got to be the church and we got to say, okay, I'm going to be married to Christ and who he is. Not the method of how we get the gospel across because that will come, that, that's going to change. The message does not change. The, the, the methods are going to have to. That's why we at C1 leading, we, we just did it all these life groups, we got to lean into this, guys. We got to get the church in the community instead of trying to get the community in the church building. We got to be okay with different. God's patterns are familiar. The love of God never changes. The mercy of God is always there. The grace of God, the provision of God, the, the miraculous nature of God. Who God is doesn't change. That's the familiarity. That's why you can walk into one of our life groups and feel the presence of God. Like, whoa, yeah, just because we're not at the ch- church building doesn't mean God's not there. There's something familiar, but it looks different. And that's okay. That's okay. None of the disciples dared ask, who is this? The second thing about God's patterns that we got to grab a hold of and we got to lean into and we got to be okay with God's patterns ask us to lay and leave stuff at his feet. God's patterns always. We see Peter in in Luke chapter 5 and Peter in John chapter 21. 
doing the same thing twice. Laying it at Jesus' feet. The first time, he, the nets break. Peter's livelihood's gone. And he says, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And it says they got their boats up on shore, they left everything and followed Jesus. Left everything and followed Jesus. But yet when the going got rough, when, when they weren't walking hand in hand with Jesus, when, when things got a little crazy in their life, the pattern that the enemy wants us, and, and I, I can't talk about this pattern and not talk about the patterns of Satan in our life too, because Satan's patterns are real easy to spot, and I'll tell you what they look like. God wants us to constantly lay things down, our ambition, our, like, um, our preferences, all this stuff, and say, God, I want what you want in my life. Lord, I, you are Lord, you are God of me, not me of you. He's wanting us to constantly, a lifelong process of laying things down. But the enemy, the patterns that he wants us to, to establish in our life is right here in John chapter 21. Peter says, let's go fishing. The enemy wants us to pick up what God's telling us to lay down. He wants it to be a constant cycle of, I'm going to lay it down, I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to lay it down, I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to lay it down. How many times have you guys heard, come to the altar and lay it out, and then you walk out to the, and you're already, by, by the time you get to your, your car, like, what? You're not supposed to say stuff like that. The altar is a sacred place. Yes, it is. But I'm telling you, there's patterns, and that God wants us, is a constant process of, God, I'm laying myself down. It's not a one and done thing because if we think like Peter laid down fishing, he laid down his livelihood. Peter, James, John, and Andrew did it. They said, I'm leaving it all behind. I'm going to follow Jesus. But when things didn't pan out the way they thought, they went, picked it right back up. I'm going fishing. And some of you guys are like, if God's telling me to lay down fishing, you guys are singing a song in your head. Know what song that is? Well, I'm going to miss her when I get home. <laughs> it's not, fishing is not the issue. It's not fishing. It's what fishing represents here. What, what is fishing to you? What is God calling you out of? What is that thing that would hold you back? And guess what? It wasn't even sinful. Peter's issue wasn't even a sinful thing. We constantly think that God only tells us to lay down sinful things. That's not true. He does want us to lay down sinful things, but some of the things that the enemy uses against us the most aren't even sinful things. They're things that just get between us and God. And he gets us busy, gets us concentrating on other stuff, and, and is fishing bad for Peter? I would argue that it was because Peter, that was his profession. And God's saying, I have so much more for you, but it requires this constant laying down. It was a temptation for Peter for sure, but God's patterns ask us to lay down and leave stuff at his feet. Jesus called Peter out of fishing to become a fisher of men. He, he wanted him to stop being a fisherman and be a fisher of men. And then Peter went back to it. And then we see, uh, we see that Peter gets to the shore and he sees that Jesus had everything. And Jesus said, bring me some of the fish. So Peter turns around, runs right back into the water, grabs that net, and drags it. And it's kind of interesting because Luke was very specific, and he said that the nets were breaking. John was very specific and said the nets had not broke. Because the reality is Jesus already broke that. He already broke that in Peter's life. And then he, he sits down and eats. And there is a passage here that says... Jesus asked a question to Peter. He says, do you love me more than these? And I've always read that. In my mind, I've always 
I've always read it wrongly, and at the same time, it does make sense, but I always thought that Jesus was asking Peter, do you love me more than these, like, do you love the other apostles here? That's, that's what I've always understood that. Because he was like, I'm trying to make you a leader. Feed my sheep. Feed my, feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. He's trying to establish leadership. And so I've, I've always read that as Jesus is asking, because he's sitting amongst the other apostles, saying, do you love me more than you love these men? Do you love me? But the more I, I prayed about it this week, I think it's, that might be applicable. I mean, it's also kind of a weird thing. Like, he's sitting there with the other apostles like, well, Jesus, I do actually do love you more than John loves you. Um, like, well, I do love you more than I love John. And that's, I mean, that's what God calls us to do, though. He says, you got to love me so much that your love for everyone else in your life actually looks like hate. Like, what? What does that mean? Jesus said, unless you hate your mother, your father, your your wife, your son, your daughter, you're not worthy. Like, like it's just like, you got to love God so much. The love of for you have in your heart for God has got to make all other love in your life look so small. Because that's how much you love God. Not to say, like, I love my wife with everything in me. And I would lay down my life to serve her. But I love Jesus infinitely more. If I had to choose between Jesus and Amy, well, I'm going to miss her when I get home. Like, it's just how it is. But the more I prayed about this, and I wrestled this. I I was walking in and out, and I'm like, God, i got to get this out. I I know it's here. Peter drags up these fish, 153 of them, puts them at Jesus' feet. Because he just went back to his default. He went back to the pattern. He went back to something that God called him out of. And he asked him this question. Do you love me more than these? There are patterns in your life that the enemy's wanting you to pick back up. To go after. To And the question we have got to ask ourselves is, do I love God more than these? I truly believe Jesus was referring to the 153 fish in the nets. He says, you know I love you. Then feed my sheep. The enemy wants you, the pattern that the enemy wants you to have is, he will always try to establish a pattern in our life of picking back up what God is asking you to lay down. And it, it might not be sinful, Obviously, God wants you to lay down sin at his feet because he died. But it, it could be just things that are pulling your attention away. Things that would keep you from walking into everything God has for you. Satan wanted Peter to do something he knew by tempting him away from something new that God had for him to do. God was calling Peter into something completely new complete new type of ministry a completely new type of ministry where Peter and the other apostles and the church would have to depend on leadership of the Holy Spirit not on a present Christ beside them telling them what to do but they had to listen to God through prayer and time with him it was something completely new and God God wanted to do something new in Peter but yet the enemy was trying to get Peter to do something he knew. And that's the constant tension in our life. We always want to default back to what we know. We want to default back to what's comfortable. We want to default back to what's easy. Like, it was easy for Peter to go back to fishing. Because that's what he did for his whole life, up until three years before that. It was probably like riding a bike for him. But you know what? He laid the 153 fish with unbroken net. Like Jesus was saying, do you love me more than these? Because I didn't break your net this time. If you want to go back and you love these more than me, go back and fish. You'll probably carve yourself out of living. So often we think that the, pic- the picture that, that the enemy paints for our life is so dire and so bad and it leads to the death and destruction. 
That is true in the long run, but usually in the moment, it looks good. It looks easy. It looks quite possibly better than God's plan for your life. Peter's, God's plan for Peter's life was for him to get arrested and to get crucified. And the historical record says that when, he cru- when they crucified him, he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified the same way Christ was. So they crucified Peter upside down. And he died that way. And that was God's plan for his life here on earth. But yet, if you read the book of Acts, you see the power of God working through him that is not recorded amongst anyone else. It says that he walked through the streets and the lame people, that they would leave lame and demon-possessed people out and his shadow would hit them and they would get set free. They would be healed just from the power of God emanating through Peter. God has a better plan for your life, especially for your eternity. But the enemy wants to paint a comfortable and easy, a familiar picture. And that's his pattern. No, no, no. Pick up what God's telling you to lay down. Pick it up. It was easy. You know it. It's familiar. It doesn't require faith for him to go out and cast nets all night. but it does require faith to lay it down. Not again do you ever see in the rest of the book of the New Testament, Peter even on a boat. It's not there. After this moment, when he laid down the fish, he allowed God to establish a new pattern in his life. And it's a pattern of a constant laying down constant. Here I am, God. I'm not saying that Peter was never tempted to go back to fishing. There's a, there's a story in the book of Acts where he's at Simon the Tanner's house, and he's on the roof, but it's actually like next to a sea. And I imagine from that roof, Peter could probably see the water and the fishermen, but God, what, know what he was doing? He was choosing, like, God, I'm going to lay myself down. I'm going to go spend time with you instead of what I want to do. And today, and moving forward, I would ask us as a church, what patterns am I allowing to be established in my life? Am I allowing God to establish patterns in my life? Am I married to the method of how God moves or am I married to God himself? Am I more in love with Jesus than I am with the method? Because if you answer method, method of ministry, method of how he wants to grow you, method of how he wants to use you, then you're going to stay right where you're at and you're going to be frustrated because you feel like God is not doing anything in your life. But if you say, no, I'm going to be married to Jesus because I love Jesus, I'm going to constantly allow him to create this pattern, this this discipline of saying, God, I want what you want. That means I don't want what I want. That means I'm going to lay down my net. I'm going to lay down my desires, whether they're good, whether they're bad, whether they're sinful or not. I'm going to lay it down and say, God, do in me what you want to do. I'm going to allow that pattern to be established in my life. Lay down and leave it. And you know what? The temptation will come to pick it back up. And if you do, lay it back down. Lay it back down. Don't condemn yourself if you pick something back up that God's trying to make you lay down. Don't do that. That's not God. Just lay it down. Peter picked something up that God called him out of, and he just laid it back down. Not once, if you read John 21, does Jesus condemn Peter. He doesn't. He just loves him. He says, do you love me more than these? He just asks him a simple question. And that's the question we've got to ask ourselves about the patterns in our life. If the Lord's working on your heart, he's saying, do you love me more than these? Every, these, these can be anything. These, the, 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 the these in my life are different than the these in your life. 
But the question is, do I love God more than these? That's the pattern. And when we understand that, it makes spotting the patterns of the enemy so much easier. Because he's just wanting you to pick back up. He wants you to carry things that God doesn't want you to have on your shoulders. He's wanting you to burden down. It could be anxiety. It could be depression. God's saying, do you love me more than these? Of course I love you. Then why aren't you letting my peace take hold of you? What, why, why, like, it, 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 might, it could be suicidal thoughts. It could be any number of things. It could be addiction. And Just constantly lay down. God, I want what you want. God, I want what you want. I love you more than these. Because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I just need to lay myself down at Jesus' feet, love him, and follow him. That's what he told Peter to do. As for you, follow me. As for you, follow me. What patterns are established? Whose patterns are we listening to? And do we love God more than these? I want us to walk in the fullness of God's blessing in our life. I don't want us to ever be married to a method or a way of doing things or a building or anything like that for what God wants for C1. Individually, I don't want you to be married to anything but who Jesus is as a follower of Christ. Because if we complicate and cloud that relationship, it's going to lead to frustration. If you put unnecessary expectations on a relationship that God made so simple. As for you, you follow me. And as you follow Christ, what's going to happen? What's going to happen in this walk with God? It says, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. As you, as you walk in light, what that does, it exposes the darkness in you. And that means there's going to be things where you have to constantly lay down. And that's okay because you love Jesus more than these. But it's a hard thing to lay stuff down if you don't love Jesus more than these. It is. If, you're, if, you, if you love, I, well, I just love this. I love this. Or, you know, it could be... When, when I was growing up, my mom liked to watch soap operas. And uh, there's nothing, like, I, I, I've never had a knack to watch them. So uh, I did watch about five minutes of one the other day at the gym. And uh, I realized that a soap opera is teen drama in adult form. Uh, but my mom liked to watch them. And then one day when she was praying, the Lord told her, you got to lay this down. And she's like, God, it's not sinful. It's like, it's pulling you away from me. And she did. And guess what? The Lord opened door after door after door for her to step into ministry opportunities and different things like that. And she just laid it down. And like it actually enriched my my mom and dad's marriage. It it helped her to be a better mom. I'm just giving you a glimpse of the the things. It, it can look a million different directions. Personally, I remember there was an app on my phone called IMDb, and it's International Movie Database. And I used it in college because I was in a class called Films Classics. And I had to get information about different movies I was researching. But on that app, it always had new movie trailers. And I'm a movie buff. I love movies. I really do. I, I like going to movie theaters. I like the whole experience of it. And one day, the Lord said, I want you to delete that app. In prayer, I was just praying. I wasn't even praying about that. I just really felt this in my heart, like I need to delete that. And I was like, God, why? It's like, you're on it way too much. You're just it's eating up your time. I'm like, all right. I've de I deleted it. That was like four years ago. Never been back on my phone. Just something that it, it really was. I was like, if I was sitting down waiting, 
I could have opened the Bible app just as easy as I could have, you know, but I would open that app and I would watch a movie trailer. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's what I'm getting at. There's literally nothing wrong with that. But when we love Jesus more than these, when he starts telling us to lay things down, we're okay with it. And how I want to respond today is I want us to have some self-examination. Ask, Jesus, is there anything that I'm loving more than I love you in my life? What, what is the, the, the these in my life? And I'm not saying that you're going to lay it down today and you're never going to be tempted with it again. I'm not saying that. But what I do believe, realistically, what can happen today is that this moment of altar time can be a launching pad for the rest of your life. Can God set you free instantly? Yes, he can. But from what I've experienced is that freedom and walking in obedience is a process of God. There's nothing magical about the altars. There's nothing magical. There is something amazing about obedience, though. If the Lord's telling you to come up front and pray, then do it because he blesses obedience. But the truth is, it's a matter of saying, God, what am I loving more than I love you? Because I want you to establish patterns in my life so you can use me the way you want me to be used. And if you're here today and you do not have a relationship with Jesus, the first pattern, the first thing you need to lay down is yourself and say, God, forgive me of my sin. I believe you. And guess what? He's not here with an anvil. He's not here with a hammer. He's not here with a lightning bolt to condemn you. If anything, he's saying, just come. I want to give you a hug. I love you so much. I, I, just, I just need you in my family. Please come to me. If you are here and you need a relationship with Jesus, God is waiting to meet you with open arms to receive you and embrace you and love you. If you already have a relationship, I would challenge you to either pray where you're at or come find a place and pray and say, God, am I picking things up that you want me to lay down? Am I loving something more than I love you? And if, what is it so I can lay it down? As ben, as ben starts to lead, please respond. If you need a relationship with Jesus, I will be here and I would love to lead you.
to establish all the patterns that you want in this body. Lord, I pray that as we walk out this week, Lord, this is this is a message, this is a word that, that requires a response tomorrow and the rest of our life, not just in a moment, but it's a it's a decision today, God. I'm gonna allow you to establish patterns in my life down. It's a decision tomorrow, today, I'm going to allow you to establish patterns in my life of surrender and giving all to you in the following and in the coming years, Father. We love you, Jesus. We love you and we love, we love your message. We love everything that you did for us, Father. And Lord, I don't want anything to ever get in the way of that. So, Father, I pray that as we move forward as a congregation and as a church, that we will grab a hold of what can be and what you could do through us as we surrender to you. Well, we don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know you do. So that's why we need to surrender to you and be who you called us to be. Lord, I, 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 I just re, I rebuke the enemy and the lies of the familiar and how Lord I pray for discernment over your church when the enemy starts 
starts to talk to us and say, hey, you should do this. It's easy. It's familiar. Oh, don't do that. You don't know anything about that. Lord, I, I just release a spirit of faith over us to step out, to be obedient, to say, God, I'm going to I'm gonna lay this net at your feet. I'm going to lay myself at your feet, and I'm going to step out in obedience. Father, help us to be the church. Help us to go out and make a difference for your kingdom. Help give us opportunities to pray for people. Give us opportunities to, to just love on people. Give us opportunities to, to be who you called us to be. And give us opportunities this week to actually lay things at your feet. Lord, I thank you for the fruit that's going to come out of this word because your word's anointed and it changes us. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I love you guys. Go be the church.